0: Hallelujah. How are we
1: doing?
0: Braving the heat and uh, finding cool places to hang out. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yeah, it's humid. Well, welcome this morning, hallelujah, I put a picture up of Kyle and Lynn uh, when we first started worshiping there in Florida, uh, so it's hot all over the country, uh, according to the map, so uh, praise the Lord, I had, according to the reports, they've had an awesome time, they got married outside uh, yesterday uh, afternoon, and then moved inside for the reception, so they're Pretty cool. I think that's really kind of neat to be married uh in the kingdom, right? Yeah. Kingdom, yeah. yeah, praise the Lord. And uh Kathy and Lonnie are down there. I want you to pray for Kathy and Lonnie. They're uh pouring themselves out in these days. Lonnie was uh not feeling well uh Friday and into Saturday. Uh he had some sickness, um, but uh fever broke early in the morning, praise the Lord. Uh, and he was feeling better. Amen. I also have some sad news. Uh, Belinda uh, and Bob, you know, Bob was here a couple of weeks ago. We prayed for him. Uh, He passed away on Friday, uh, apparently in his sleep. So um, Belinda is, uh, you know, making preparations. And as hard as it is, sometimes you know those kinds of things are coming. But it doesn't make it any easier, does it? You know, it's just—it's hard places to walk through and lose people that you love and that you care about. Even when you know it's coming, it's so difficult. Um, So please keep her in your prayers, and uh, as she walks through these these places, Amen. Uh, I think she's down southern part of the state today, according. uh, Yeah, yeah, Pelham. So praise the Lord. Um her number, uh lots of people around have her number, so if you would like to call or drop her a card, uh or just uh, you know, say hello or, or whatever, it'd be really good. Um, I think that uh, she'll be back uh later in the week and so on. So praise the Lord, amen. He's uh he knows how to heal the brokenness and heal the heal the hurt. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I want to keep building on the messages that have uh, come uh, in these days. Uh, Lonnie brought a message. Uh, do you remember uh, what he brought? No, which one? You were for the last one Lonnie brought. So he was talking about uh, you were foreknown, right? The last couple of messages he said you, we were foreknown. Before we entered into our mother's womb, we were known. We have a destiny. We have a purpose. Amen? Sometimes we think we're aimless and we're not sure where we're going, but God knows. According to His Word, He knows the beginning and the end. Amen? He knew the end at the beginning. And so as we continue to walk out His Word, uh, and then J.C. reminded us back in the beginning of Genesis, uh, when God made the heavens and the earth, remember each time, each day He created uh, the birds and the, and the fish and the seas and the oceans and the lights and so on. He said, "It's good." He said it's good, very good. right? And then, said, it's very good. and then He said, "It's very good." And then He said, "It's very good." So God is a master builder. God is a, has a master plan. God has a plan and a purpose for us, a destiny that He is causing us to walk through. Amen. Amen. And I want to uh, I want to remind you uh, of those words because I think they're really critical and really important. You know, we're on a journey through the feasts, whether you realize that or not. We're on a journey through the feasts. And as we experience the Feast of Passover, right, Unleavened Bread and so on, uh, we know that the Feast of Tabernacles hasn't happened yet. But the Feast of Tabernacles is the, the dwelling, the abiding, where He comes to live presently. Amen? And as we see the Word unfold this morning, I want you to just be thinking, just as God has a destiny for each one of you, a purpose, right? You're more than you've become. You might think the best days are behind you, but according to His Word, the best days are in front of you. The best days are yet to, to be your experience, and I believe that these are the days He's unfolding those things, that we would recognize them and understand what's happening, both in the world but also in the heart also in who we are as individuals, transformed, made new, wonderful, His hand. I think sometimes we get into the Christian thing and we judge ourselves. And sometimes we might get discouraged about how things are going. And we might get into the situation where we're trying to make ourselves holy we're trying to make ourselves somehow acceptable or better people or more uh, pleasant to be with or more walking in faith or more this or more that, whatever it is. We look at the stories of Genesis where he gave us authority over the earth and the animals. He did give us authority. And J.C. walked us through that just a little while ago. And then we think, okay, I can do this. And then we forget. We forget. This is all according to His plan. His hand. His word says, the battle is the Lord's and He will not fail. Sometimes we think the battle's ours. To struggle through and find a way through and figure out how to make the bad into a positive. And sometimes we think, Uh, next week is going to be better because I'm making these series of changes. A new place to live, got a new job, got new friends, uh, found a new person to fellowship with, whatever it is. But the battle is the Lord's. I want that to be in your thoughts this morning. The battle is the Lord's and He will not fail. Have you thought that you haven't prayed enough? Because God answers prayer. But then something else happens around you or to your family members or to your friends and you go back to prayer all over again and pretty soon you think, I just need to spend 24 hours in prayer. Because there's so much to see changed on this earth. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And He's placed you and I here as intercessors, as watchmen on the wall. But we're not righteous in of ourselves. It's because of what He's done. The battle is the Lord's. And He will not fail. Amen? Do you feel ill-equipped sometimes to walk through hard places? Where it seems that the demand on you is more than you can bear? Do you feel weak with respect to the trials and the giants that God has given us to overcome? I do. I felt in the past several months, the trials are more than I can bear. The giants are bigger than I am. When is the day going to come where the anointing and the favor of God comes in like a flood and he arises, because, causing his enemies to scatter. When is that day? I'm so hungry for that kind of change. I am so hungry. The Word tells us that this isn't something new that we're experiencing. The children of Israel were going out into battle. They got themselves a king, remember? And... Uh, The king was leading them out into battle and they were out and uh, there's a giant across the valley and he's mocking the children of Israel much like we're being mocked today. Oh, see, your faith really doesn't work. Oh, see, those things that you believed in, those scriptures, they're just words. The boastful, arrogant voice that comes to try and convince you that he's bigger than you are. And that arrogant voice shouts out, let there be one man among you to come and fight me. And if I win, you give yourselves to us. If you win, we'll give yourselves to you. And he tries to get us to compromise. And he tries to get us to make decisions in natural places. But the battle is the Lord's. And he will not fail little boy comes onto the scene being sent to the front lines to bring food and provisions to his brothers. And he looks across the valley and he says, Who is that? He hasn't been trained in warfare. He hasn't been trained in armor. He doesn't really know, but he has been trained in the ways of the Lord. Amen. He knew that a single stone and a single rock could take down a lion. Protect the sheep. And something rose up in this little boy. Not a little boy. He's a young man. And what does he do? He goes down and he doesn't choose a spear. He doesn't choose the things of this world. Right? He, choos- he chooses something that's laying on the ground. The battle is the Lord's and he'll won't, he won't fail. When David was facing the giant, he was untrained and unexperienced, but he said, and it's recorded in 1 Samuel 17, then all this assembly will know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. If he was here today, he would say it doesn't save with Wall Street. It doesn't save with the Babylon thinking, the ways of the world. He doesn't save through government programs. He doesn't save through better paying jobs. He doesn't save through uh, the faith of somebody else. Right? He says that all the world will know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And we know how this story plays out. He says, this day, your head will be removed from you, indicating the authority of the enemy, right? Indicating the headship, the covering, the one who wants to get you to take the authority that's covering you and take on his authority. He said, this day, your head will be removed from you and your flesh will be fed to the birds of the air. Little boy. I enjoy reading stories like this because it puts me back into the perspective of what God can do, of what God is doing in the day that we're in. Welcome. Good morning. I'm glad to see you this morning. It puts us back into the mindset of who God is. There isn't any giant out there that's too big or too strong. And today, we're being transformed into a people who deal with fear rightly. Who deal with anxiety and the pressures of the day rightly. When things go wrong, we blame ourselves. We blame our lack of faith. We blame all the things. What might be holding you back today, allowing Jesus to change and transform you? Perhaps you feel like your faith is weak or that you are unworthy to receive God's favor and His love or a gift. Do you feel like you're unworthy to receive love or gift? Perhaps you struggle with anxiety or despair. Your life feels hopelessly or out of control. Jesus knows our struggles and our weakness better than we do. And that doesn't stop Him from offering us the freedom and the transformation. And I want to talk a little bit about transformation this morning. We sang about it. Transformation. What does that mean to you to be transformed? Does that mean you're going to learn how to be a better person? Does that mean you're going to read a book on deliverance and start thinking like the author thought of who wrote the book? Does that mean we're going to get a better job and and sell our house and get a better house and there's a transformation of our homes? Does it mean transformation of the way you think? Does it mean transformation of the mind of the heart? Jesus Himself had to deal with this. One of the first miracles Jesus did, one of the first things, the miracle was hastened, brought into a period of time before its time. And I believe that the cry that is going out to heaven can hasten the destiny that God has authored before the foundations of the world. As Lonnie said, you are known before you entered your mother's womb. Those who are in Jesus have a promise that the best is yet to come. However life has been up until this moment, whatever you've experienced, hardship, broken hearts, yeah, death of people that we love, brokenness, rejection, sorrow, whatever it is, you have a promise in Jesus Christ but the best is yet to come. I want to remind you that uh, Romans 12.1 says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. I love the New Living Translation. That's what this is. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is for you. So we begin to see transformation doesn't happen by observing the outward. It happens by experiencing it inwardly. Changing the way you think. First Corinthians 15:52 says, "We will be transformed." And it says we're going to be transformed, some along the way, bit by bit, but some in the twinkling of an eye and the last trumpet. For those, it's going to be instantaneous. But God doesn't differentiate and says, "For some." He says, "All those that are in Christ will be transformed." And I submit to you today, you're being transformed. Just like when we stand in His presence. When we stand in worship. You're being transformed because you have a destiny that was authored and penned by the Father before you were born. I want to remind you about wine. We said we were talking about one of the first miracles that Jesus did. He came out of the wilderness. He begins to uh, identify some of his disciples. Uh, He's in Nazareth. Nazareth is just a little bit south of Cana. Uh, Cana is just a little west of the Sea of Galilee. They are all in the same region. They're maybe 15 to 20 miles apart, not long distances. A couple days of travel. easy travel by foot, right? So it's in a region that Jesus grew up, very familiar with. He gets invited to a wedding, right? There's a wedding going on this weekend. God gives us types and shadows that we would understand what's going on in the heavens. Gets invited to a wedding, him and his disciples. And so it lets us believe that this is something somebody was getting married that they knew personally, intimately, friends, family, and they went to join the wedding. And it says he was in Cana, and wedding, uh, wedding uh, events in that day often lasted days, up to a, a week or more. And so when there was a wedding, there was people, guests to invite, there was food to prepare, there was wine to prepare. There was provisions, people to stay. There was a wedding going on. And it says after three days, three days, after three days, Jesus was raised when? In three days. So it says in three days, they ran out of wine. Doesn't seem like a big deal. But in that day, the wine and the provisions and the food and the fellowship and the week-long celebration were very important. It was built into a culture that this is how you celebrate. And it says after three days, the wine was gone. Can you imagine the embarrassment of the people that were planning the wedding and inviting all these people? Can you imagine the shame or the, uh, how could we be out of wine? How could that happen? And so the bridegroom and the people that are in charge of bringing the party, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. We've prepared for weeks. I don't know what to do. What do we do? Go to McDonald's? Yeah. Right? Go, go, go down to Shaw's and buy some more. Right? It would be cool if they could have done that. But as this story unfolds, they didn't know what to do. Wine wasn't at Shaw's, and it wasn't at Price Chopper. Wine took a long time, and the best wine took years. And so when you were taking the grapes and making the wine, the good stuff took a long t- years. And they didn't even have the cheap stuff. The cheap stuff was gone. The good stuff was gone. There, there was embarrassment going on. It's like we were going to celebrate this wedding for a week, and now three days into it, and the jeopardy is people are going to disperse and go home. And it will leave an embarrassing situation that people are going to remember. Are you feeling embarrassment and shame on the things that you're dealing with in life? Is life turning out the way that you thought it was going to? Are there things in your thinking that you're just ashamed about and you don't want to even have anybody know it? Because you just want it to go away that make you feel less than valuable. I can only imagine that's what was going on for the people in this day. And so as the story begins to unfold, Mary, Jesus' mother, said, "We're out of wine." And he's like, what do you want me to do about it? And so Jesus is, is entering a place of his ministry, very first miracle, and he says, it's not my time yet. It's not my time. He says, I don't know what you want me to do. It's not my time. And he wasn't being arrogant about it. He was just saying, I know what my Father has sent me here to do. I just came out of the wilderness. I just came out of being baptized. I just came out of the affirmation of heaven where a voice comes from heaven that said, this is my son. Jesus knows who he is. And he says, it's not my time. And his mother says to the servants that are there and the people that are there, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. you. This is a story about the journey from Passover to Tabernacles. And as we're saved, as we put the, apply the blood over the doorposts, as we're coming out of the bondages of this world, Egypt, Babylon, it says don't follow the ways of the world. I just read that to you. Don't follow that. I'll show you. I'll show you. And so Mary's here. Do whatever he says. And Jesus says, where are the water pots? He didn't say, where are the clay pots? He says, where are the water pots, the stone pots? There was ceremonial washing in that day, and the water was held in pots hewn out of stone. They were huge. There were six of them in this particular case. Six is the number of men. 20 to 30 gallons each. Huge. Hewn out of rock. Not clay. Clay was unclean in those days. You didn't put water in an unclean vessel and then draw the water out of an unclean vessel to clean yourself. No. There was water in clean vessels. Stone. Jesus says, where are the, where are the water pots? They say, well, there's six of them over here. Jesus said fill the water pots up with water right to the top probably took a long time to do that I don't think they brought the garden hose over and turned the well pump on and and you know uh put the spigot in there and and filled it up like we do today when we're feeding the cattle right if you were raised on a farm that's what we did when we were feeding the cattle no you had to go get the clean water. You had to go get the the buckets and the things that were going to draw the water, so you could fill up the water pots. Probably took some time. Probably took patience for people that were wondering, "What are we going to do? What are we going to do?" There's shame and embarrassment going on, and I have no answer to solve this problem. So finally, the water pots are full, and the people that are attending this situation, they, Jesus said, now draw some of the water out and take it to the master of the banquet, master of the feast, master of the wedding. Doesn't make sense. I'm more shame and more embarrassment takes it to the master of the feast, bridegroom, and he says, oh my gosh, you've saved the best for last. Why have you saved the best for last? Most people take the best first. And then when people are feeling joyful and dancing and celebrating and having a good time and enjoying each other's presence, then they bring out the cheap stuff. Keep the party going. But you have brought out the best. Where did the best come from? Where did you get it? You didn't have years to prepare it. This is a story about the journey of our life from Passover to Tabernacles and His ability to make something that is less than perfect, perfect. Wine. We sing, Bring the new wine out of me. That's the place we're at right now. There's new wine coming out of you. There's new, there is the, the favor of God that's on your life. The favor of the destiny that is written about you in the books of heaven that are real and tangible, authored and penned by the very hand of God. Bringing out of you the new wine. The squeezing isn't comforting. The pressing isn't comforting. But it's the kind of wine that is the best. It isn't the cheap stuff. It isn't the stuff that's going to bless people on some temporary 30-second blessing. This is the real stuff that changes cultures of areas and cultures of nations and destinies of people. This story tells us that you're being prepared to be the tabernacle, to be the vessel hewn out of the stone by the master's hand. This story tells us that your destiny is not one of destruction. You're not to die in the wilderness, in the midst of the trial. It's not your destiny to be on a constant place of trial, one day after another, with no reprieve. No. God's Word tells us, you know how to give gifts to your children. You know how to give answers to your children when they need it. You've raised little children up to be adults. And you have wanted the best things for them. The Word tells us that in that experience where you are raising up your children, how much more is God wanting to give the best things that are predestined written about, that He's held on to for the generations before us, waiting for a time to release it into a people who possess destiny. How much more is He willing to give the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit that He said, it's important that I go away, so the Helper comes. And He will teach you all things. Friends, the best is yet to come. And so whatever trial you're experiencing today, whatever place of discouragement or depression, I'm telling you that the Father of creation that J.C. was talking about just a couple weeks ago is waiting to do a Joel 2. To pour himself out onto a people of destiny who have stood through the trials and said, I'm not going to be denied. Who have stood in the place of affliction. Who have stood in the place of offense and not run. Not give up. Not choose to be offended instead of choosing to walk in forgiveness. Hallelujah. Not choosing to be caught in the traps of the adversary, but declaring, I will walk on. Because God created me, and it said I was good. And He has formed my destiny and written about it in that Word. And it says the moment He arises, His enemies scatter. You're going to experience a scattering of your enemies. Why? Because this work that Jesus is doing In the first miracle, told about who you are, it told about whom you're supposed to become, not by your own thought process and your own muscling it through to be holy, but by the miracle working power of what Jesus has already done. That's where the transformation takes place. When you continue to seek Him, you continue to read His Word, you continue to rehearse the prophecies, you continue to remind God of His Word that's over your life, the miracles are poured out. Where? Not externally. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your heart transformed, that you begin to see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's what He's speaking about. So as I begin to close this morning... If you want to read this story, it's an amazing story. It's in John chapter 2. Jesus said He would complete what He started. The work that He's doing in your life, in my life, in this corporate body, in this town, in this state, the work that He started, He will surely complete. He didn't turn the water into fruity grape juice. He didn't turn it into ordinary table wine. He produced the finest wine. The finest wine that could be made in any process that man has ever done. That's what He's doing in our life. That's what he's doing. He's not interested <clears throat> just to get Sean to the finish line, all broken and tattered and discouraged. He's not interested just to get me there. He's going to get me there with with triumph. He's going to get you to the finish line perfect. He's going to get you to the finish line where you can testify he has done a work. In me. He has done a work in me that is wonderful. It's the wine that's that's the choice wine. Jesus changed the water into wine for an embarrassed wedding couple. How much more can He change us through transforming power of His Holy Spirit? John tells us that all who receive Him, Jesus who believed in His name, He gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but by the very will of God. Sons, by the will and purposes of God, that's who you are. You are predestined to overcome every single trial, but not just for that. That the transforming and the renewing of your mind testifies to His power. This is something you're going to experience firsthand. You've heard stories of others in distant lands. You've heard miracles of others in previous generations Yours is the experience of knowing of the tremendous work that He's doing in you. Because He is the author and He is the finisher of your faith. So as I complete this morning, He said, being made perfect and complete, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ and His return. So He promises transformation all along the way. And if you find yourself to be on that day to be less than complete, He promises in a twinkling of an eye, there will be a transform a transformation on the face of the earth that happens instantaneously. That's the promise that He's given you. It doesn't say anything about you dying in the wilderness. You're dying under the pressure of the Goliaths across the valley who are mocking you and making fun of you and trying to get you to quit. No. David declared in his day, this day you're going to know that God doesn't save by the armies of this world. He saves by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Today is the 1st of July. Independence Day is right around the corner. There's a wedding going on. There are women that are pregnant. I want you to understand you're on the journey from Passover to Tabernacles. And He is doing a work in and around you and it's increasing every day. Soon you are going to testify let me tell you what has happened that's never happened before. It's the water into wine that happens right inside because of the way that you've been changed to think like he thinks. Amen. Yes, I see a hand up. Sure, if we could maybe change the microphones here. Uh, ben, uh, here you go, if he's out there. He's got
1: it. Amen. Amen. Oh, Brother Sean just like struck a chord in me. They're like three quarters through, like my spirit got ignited because I could so bear witness to what he was speaking. I mean, we, we would be lying if any of us stood here and said, we aren't dealing with all these things. But he reminded me of this scripture, and I, I couldn't find the scripture. I found the scripture, but I want to read above it and below it because, friends and sisters and brothers and sons and daughters of God, we, this is the time where we have to stir ourselves up and stir up the gift of faith. We have to stir up the gift of faith in these days because we can't walk with the natural eye today. We can't walk with the things that we see with our normal eye and we cannot be led by our feelings. We have got to walk according to God's word and his promises. They are yes and amen and they, for, they are for us today just as they were for Abraham years ago. So the scripture, if you want to turn to it or if you want to write it down or read it later, <clears throat> in... Um, along with the story that Brother Sean asked you to read, is found in Romans 4. And I'm going to start in verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written... I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak, wait a minute, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. He was 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, oh my goodness, she was an old woman. They'd been waiting for this promise We've been waiting for these promises that God gave us so many years ago. All the prophetic words, our prophetic destiny. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Brothers and sisters of God, be strengthened in faith today. Our God is not a liar he is not a man that lies, but he is a God that when he speaks his word and he sends it out, it never falls to the ground and dies or become void, but every single word that he has spoken over you, go back to the last time you heard his voice and you heard his promise. Go back to that place if you're walking and feeling doubtful and fearful and your unbelief is raging, go back to the place, the last place you heard his voice, and be fully convinced that what he has promised, he was also able to perform, and therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Be encouraged. Thank you, Brother Sean. I feel like one of those firecrackers ignited in my spirit today. Amen? Amen. Have announcements. Yes. Yesterday was Chelsea's birthday, and we need Ooh. to sing Happy Birthday!